Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We're excited. Great sharing already. Great worship already. A great passage uh, that we get to look at. And it's short, which our church really likes. And so, God, I just ask that we would get it. We wouldn't try to be arrogant and think that we have all these excuses, that we'd be humble and that we realize that you are such a good God, and you want to feed us wisdom, you want to feed us power, you want to feed us love, and that this life is about eternity, and you've equipped the church, you've equipped each of us to help people move to eternity. And so God, I pray that we would engage this, there'd be no nervousness, there'd just be excitement about what is ahead for us. In your name, amen. All right, before I preach, Stephen Bradford, come on up. Stephen is a guy, yes. Stephen is a guy that, um, we'll get you on this mic right here, center one, yep, boom. Um, so Stephen's a guy that helped us plant the church. Uh, he was actually, uh, I, don't, I don't look that old, but he was actually in my youth group when, uh, when I was younger, and he was younger too, so we, we both, uh, we changed over the years. <laughs> that was before the ball spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm beating you right now, so you can comb it over, I can't. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've known Stephen for uh, a long time and his family. And so um, so just with his journey, I uh, was in the high school ministry, didn't see him for a while. We uh, have a church out here. And uh, Stephen then, we, when we planted, uh, kind of came along with us and kind of a, a renewal time, would you say, of your own faith, like almost like coming back to God, coming back to church. Uh, and the, in the midst of that, we were praying for a lot of things, um, but especially for his wife. Um, who uh, probably was okay with God, but not really wanting to follow church. Was she was a fan, not a follower. That's what I call it. A fan, not a follower. Yeah. And so uh, we've been praying. We've been encouraging, all that kind of stuff. And so tell us the journey and tell us where you guys are at today. I know you're in Idaho. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys moved there. So, um, yeah. So tell us kind of what's going on, what you want to share encouraging us today. And go ahead and elbow me because I never tell a short story. I so know. please just open And I've known you long up. enough to tell you to shut you up. Can, yeah, yeah, you can guide me along. I have no um, problem doing that. So, yeah. So I, I was kind of – I feel like I was dragged to Idaho kicking and screaming sort of. Um, I, was, I was really upset and angry, and I kind of just pretended it my way through it up there. I moved up there with my mother-in-law and my wife. Um, so that – that side of my family, but I left my mom and dad and brother and cousins and my church family. And, and um, so it was, it hurt, it hurt quite a bit. And I, and that feeling of having to go back and start over and try to find, find a new family. Cause I wasn't going to just go drift off into nothingness. I knew that I had to go find a church family and, and find where, where I could be fed. And, um, and yeah, so we've been praying for my wife for um, this church forever. Right. And I, I've been praying for her since I've met her. And, um, so we, we went up to Idaho. We've tried we tried three or four churches out, kind of the same old thing. My my wife would come with me for a couple weeks, and then then it would be just me there again, joining a worship team, and kind of maybe bringing one or two of the kids every once in a while, and back to the kind of sporadic church life. Um, and uh, tried three or four different churches up there. And um, I was driving one day, and and I look over to my left, and I see this beautiful church. Uh, it's called Lake City Church. I see the sign, Welcome Home, Lake City Church. And, and I thought that was God saying, this is a sign. Try this church. And so I go home, and honey, I think I found a church. It's not the, the, the last one I had gone to was a Pentecostal church. And, 
and they were speaking in tongues and stuff like that, and it just freaked my wife out, and, and uh, I'm not used to that either, so I, I'll admit it scared me a little bit too, just because I've never been around that sort of thing, and um, so I didn't really feel called there. I didn't really feel fed there. It was just a lot of awkwardness, and uh, so I said, hey, I found a new church. It's an evangelical church. No one's going to be speaking in tongues or trying to, to on the floor or anything like that, and um, and she said, okay, well, we'll try it. It's the same old thing. I mean, we've done this maybe 30, 40 times in my life. And um, so uh, so Saturday night comes around, and uh, we've got some brand-new next-door neighbors. So my wife goes, you know, we, she rarely does this, too. Let's, let's go meet our, our next-door neighbors. Let's go let's go meet them. So we bring a bottle of wine over, knock on the door. Hi, nice to meet you. And, of course, they're Christians. And, of course, we have so much in common. And the, the husband and I um, grew up on all the same music and stuff, and we're just instant friends. And so we invite them to church first. We go, oh, hey, do you, would you like to try this church we've never tried before? We're going we're gonna to go tomorrow morning. And uh, the guy goes, actually, about two weeks ago, we found a church that we love. It's called One Place Church. Um, would you guys like to go there? You're not tied to this new church. And I thought God was calling me to this Lake City church. And, um, and yeah, we met new friends. We're not tied to, to anything yet. Okay, we'll try your church out first. And we'll do Lake City maybe next weekend. And so, uh, so we, we get the kids ready, we get, get to church, and uh, my wife sits down next to me, and it's kind of the same feeling. Let's kind of just be silent during worship and, and just kind of nod and acknowledge. And the pastor stood up, and my wife's a teacher, very educated, very super incredibly smart. Sucks for me, because um, I'm not. <laughs> um, and uh, anyways, he, the pastor was speaking about worldview, and he got up, and he had a, he had a big like blackboard, and he was... He was drawing visuals and like a mind map and just like everything like my wife loves this whole kind of an educated perspective of here's what worldview is and whether or not you think you have one everyone has a worldview and he pointed at here's what the worldview of, of Jesus is here's what following Jesus is and here's every other worldview and here's what being of the world is and he drew it out step by step and I always peek over at my wife just to see if she's engaged or something like that and I peek over and her mouth is dropped and she's just paused and she's just the whole service just mesmerized and we drove home and didn't really talk much about it and a um, couple days later she comes to me and she says you know can we pray for our kids we were going through something with our son and um our oldest son now is dating so you know what we were going through um and we sat down and prayed together and it was the most genuine prayer and I feel my wife just reaching for Jesus and reaching for Jesus. And now we're at every Sunday. She's waking the kids up. Let's go to church. And I'm playing worship there now, too. So I'm, I'm gone early in the mornings. And that's that's always been a, a troublesome spot because of getting all four kids up and getting them to church is, is tough. So she's got that battle. And it's easy to just say, nah, we're not going to do it. Kids, you know, I don't want to get every single kid dressed and fight with them all morning while you're gone. Um, and it just so happens to work out. There's two services in this church, so I can play the morning, and then while the, while the sermon's going on, I go and get my family and bring them. And um, we've been praying together nonstop. Um, if any of you that know me, I, my, my number one prayer was that we could pray together, my wife. And I can honestly say when, when God says, you know, my, my, my burden is easy, my yoke is light, it, it, it's coming to fruition in my marriage and my family. It's so much easier. I mean, this is three or four weeks old, and it's just already changed everything. My wife, loving Jesus, has changed the game. Um, she's looking for a job right now, and she's had her first rejection, um, which would normally kind of throw her into a tailspin. But instead, her, her perspective is God, what she said was God, uh, God's turning down the hamburger because he's saving a steak for me. So he knows. So she's already throwing down spiritual she's wisdom. She's already yeah. just, just <laughs> leading the house. I know That's I'm awesome, falling dude. behind, but, um, 
so yeah, she, I mean, long story short, <laughs> longer, um, she's following Jesus, yeah. which is an answer to prayer, and the seed was planted here. I mean, Brian, you, you pulled me back in, and you didn't give me one, where have you been, Stephen? Where have you been? You, you said, come on, come play worship with me. Come join. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get and go. I mean, get, get your mat and walk, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and uh, it's changed the game for me, and it's, it's enabled me to leave my household and, and the fear of my kids not finding Jesus and my wife, and oh, if I die tomorrow, and then no one's being left, that fear is completely gone, and give, God's given me peace and happiness. And one last thing, one last thing, too. My, one of my best friends in the whole world, Sonny, right here, is over here. We've been in a band. Sonny? We played music together for about 20 years. Um, and Sonny, when we first planted this church, I told you guys a story about um, how I was battling some substance abuse, yeah. and there was a night where, where I was just, I was going to give into it. I was going to go down to my band room, that's the area that we all jammed. I was going to go down, and I was going to just give in to my, my urges, you know. And Sonny was there. He, I didn't know he was, he was there at the time. He was packing up his gear. We had, we had about half an hour practice was over. And, uh, and Sonny was there, and, and God stopped me in my tracks and said, don't, don't go in where you're going to go right now. Speak with Sonny. Talk with Sonny. And we talked till 3 or 4 in the morning. Um, and I, I shared what God's done in my life, and he shared how much he was searching. And, and, um, and that's kind of where, where the story was at when I talked to you guys last. And uh, we, we had a band practice the other night just to get together with me being home. And the band left about midnight, and Sonny and I talked till 4 in the morning again. This is what we do. It's my best bud. Uh -huh. And Sonny shared with me just how Jesus has been just pounding in his life. And Yee! it's just. Dude, that's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, and just. I, in a, in a genuine way, in a that's way where right. it's like between you and God, and, and you found him, and it wasn't it wasn't just some fad or some trend yeah. or something like that. It was, it's real. He's really speaking to you, and and you're someone I pray for con constantly, just because I love you so much and I love your heart. And so God's moving, and He's awakening people left and right. And I want you guys to know how special this place is, for this plant seeds, and you. you if you look around and you think we're lacking thousands of people or if you think we're lacking a building or lacking some better sound or whatever, just know that this place is planting seeds, that this place is just ordained by God to plant seeds where they need to be planted, not on the surface, not there where they're just going to grow up and wither and die. But we're planting deep seeds, and it's so important. And I love you guys so much, and I, I, I just I miss you guys so much, Access, but I Thank you. Thank you all for being there for me and being my family and praying for me. And don't stop, but thank you. Thank you. Dude, that's awesome, man. I don't need to preach now. I could, no, 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 stay up here. We're going to pray for you. Let's pray for Stephen and um, just his family. Jesus, uh, we thank you that we get to be a part of people's journeys. I pray as a church we would never uh, disparage the roles that you give us to encourage and to plant seeds. And whether people stay here or they move away, Lord, uh, that we get to be a part of that. And so, um, this is already a great day from worship to just hearing this story. We could wrap things up, God. And so um, just thank you for Stephen, how he blessed our church for years leading worship. And for today, uh, the gifts you've given him, but most of all, the desires of his heart. And uh, for Rebecca to know you. And God, I pray that uh, this morning that their worship and her church time uh, with the kids would be amazing. God, we pray that you would make them a ministry team now, that they would work together uh, to love each other well, to show Christ to the kids now. And then also uh, to other people. And uh, we thank you for the friendships you already given them, neighbors, uh, to encourage each other, Lord. And so we just ask that um, you give them now just a vision of the future of not only the end goal isn't just to be saved. Now it's you just working through Rebecca uh, and through Stephen for the rest of their lives, Jesus. And so we pray you just bless this family. Um, 
that you would just use them in great ways and bless our kids in your name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I love you, man. What a, um, what a great segue into to Jonah. Worked out well. This wasn't even planned. I talked to Steve when I saw him. I didn't even know he was leading worship uh, with our team. So we just talked about this morning and how God works. It was cool. Uh, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1, uh, hitting a few verses, kind of uh, summarizing it. Uh, I want to encourage you to go through, when, when we preach on these stories, we're going through the Old Testament, and we're hitting different uh, people that lived in different times, but what you find is people are people, and the times are the times. <laughs> you know, where people are like, ah, there's so much sexual stuff out there, kind of stuff. It's like, uh, they had temple prostitution, <laughs> like they had it at the block. It's like, I mean, they had all these things. They didn't have the technology, but it, it's like, nothing is really new under the sun. It's like, oh, we got to be careful. These new philosophies and religions popping up. It's like, no, those are just old ones that are being regurgitated. It's like, we freak out. And so the Old Testament gives us perspective. As as people have walked this path, so why don't we learn from them so we can walk the path really well? That's all we're doing. And so we're learning about their mistakes, what they did well. We learn a lot about God, too, in these stories. Um, Ephraim preached on Hannah last week. If you did not listen... Um, I, I thought, uh, Jose, your, your didn't record, so I didn't get to hear yours, but it, it was my favorite sermon, uh, of the year. It was so enjoyable. Go listen to it. It's online. The discussions it produced in our connection group were phenomenal. We had, uh, those of you guys in connection group, we had an amazing discussion. I mean, just, we could have stayed longer and longer. I mean, it was, it was so good. Um, but one of the things that I want to encourage us is, we can only give a portion, and so Ephraim just gave it like you a little a tidbit, but if you keep reading, the insights just grow because afterwards he didn't talk about that. Hannah then had the baby, you know, and gave the baby back because, you know, so God give me a blessing and then give that blessing back. Same thing with this. I encourage you to read Jonah. It's four chapters. Keep reading this week. Today we're going to kind of just kind of help you a little bit. Get into it. God's got more he wants to teach you, and so I just want to encourage you with that. Now the setting of Jonah is uh, it's kind of an interesting time. Uh, God chose, remember this, weak nation. He didn't choose the strongest, the brightest, the biggest. That should give you a clue about the type of people God chooses. So if you think you're the smarty pants, the best looking, all that kind of stuff, if God chose you, you might not be. <laughs> doesn't tend to go after that. Why? Because when I got the smarts, I got the looks, I got the money, it's really hard to trust God because everything goes my way. I get hired when I want to get hired. I get the friends. I want to get the friends. I get the marriage. I want the marriage. I get, you get a lot of things when you already have a lot of things. That's why the Bible says if you have a lot of things, you might want to start giving it away. <laughs> you got to create room for Jesus to be dependent on him, right? Well, this nation needed him because if they didn't have God, they were going to get crushed. And so he chose this tiny little nation. They didn't have warriors. They didn't have any kind of governance. God gave them all that about how to do things. The goal, though, was not to make them a great nation, but that they would be a, a light to the other nations to say, this is how you do life. Well, they forgot that. And then he started warning them and disciplining like a good parent does. Being like, listen, I want to bless you, but you can't receive these blessings because you're rebellious. And so they were so rebellious. Check this out. This nation that was supposed to be like these tribes to show God's glory, now they were fighting each other, killing each other. And when Jonah was a prophet, it was a split nation, 10 tribes in the north and two in the south. And Jonah was a prophet in the north called Israel. What's weird, though, is in the midst of this, there were actually this little section of time. This was about, I think it's the 8th century, uh, mid-8th century. So it's several hundred years before Jesus comes. Um, and uh, 
that during this time, they actually had a little bit of prosperity, but they had spiritual poverty. They had material prosperity, but they had spiritual poverty. So they thought they had it all together. They thought they were blessed, but they actually were spiritually impoverished. And so this is what Jonah grew up in. In Jonah chapter 1, it says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amate. He said this, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. If you have a, a pen or pencil, you want to circle the word Nineveh and just put Las Vegas. Can you imagine God comes to you? You're going to Vegas to preach the gospel. Now, some of you might get excited, right? But that's a tough city to, woo, it got everything. Anything that you want that can distract or divide is in Las Vegas. That's why they have their slogan, right? That's on purpose. Okay, that's the type of city that Nineveh was just, you know, at the time. About probably four to 500 miles away from where Jonah um, was, uh, which is probably about the same for us, right? So it's about that distance from here to Vegas, and it's like a Vegas and he says, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Isn't that an interesting statement? Its wickedness has come up before me. What that means is the wickedness has grown to a level that it's brought me heightened awareness. The, the evil's grown to a level where if they continue this, the judgment will be so harsh against these people. They're not going to be able to turn back. The violence, the sensuality, the, the pride the arrogance it was growing at such a level. It shows that in our life that sin can start off very innocuous, right? Very just kind of like, that's no big deal. It's not really affecting a lot, but it can grow to where God becomes concerned of. There's no turning back. That's, that's kind of the, the, the meaning behind that. It's wickedness has come up before me. It's grown to a level. It's gotten to a level like, whoa. They got one or two choices. They need to turn to me or I've got to bring down the fire. Because this can't continue. And by the way, whenever God says that in the Old Testament, someone's like, man, he was just like mean and angry. Really? When you see something evil on TV, do you clap? You go like, eh. This woman got raped. This person got beaten up. This person got stolen. Eh, no big deal. No, and something in all of us, you're like, ugh, right? There's, there's something. What happens when God looks at the world and just sees 24-7 the amount of perverse activity and greed and then they actually can see in our hearts which is even scarier like you want to see more evil get off the news and just look in your own heart right and how mean we could be i mean people fighting over gas i mean they, i just watched online there's a, a fight people back east gassing fighting i will physically harm you my gas before you like can we just stop be like are you serious i guarantee you're going to be okay the next day if you don't have gas we'll find a way bus uber something no i'm going to physically punch you beat you because I want that gas money. That shows where we are as human beings, right? And God sees us day in, day out. His desire is compassion, which is phenomenal. I would just like wipe out, start all over. Didn't. His desire is compassion, but he will not let evil go without justice. So he wants Jonah to go to Las Vegas and preach because the sin is at an incredible level. Now, here's the thing. This is difficult because no good Jewish person would go willingly to a, a pagan, non-Jewish city and just kind of hang out or even tell them about God. It's kind of like, nah, 
they're judged. There's no way they're going to turn. Uh, there's no way. That's not what a good Jewish person would do. So I'm sure he got a lot of uh, grief for that. So he does what any good religious person would do, right? What do we do when God calls to do something we don't want to do? Run away, right? Just run away. I'm just going to act like he never said it. I'm just going to go just, you know, kind of just go on a rabbit hole on YouTube and not think about God, you know, and just go look at other things. Kind of just run away, whether it's in our minds or our hearts. Well, he literally tried to run away. And so in this story, we're not going to read it, but he gets on a boat that's going to sail away to a Spanish city called Tarshish. Well, the problem is that, I don't know if you've ever tried to run away from God. I've tried that. Um, it's one of the stupidest concepts, first of all, that God created the universe and you can run away from him. Or that God bothers you, and by you ignoring him, that he's going to give up. If you think you're stubborn, God is way more stubborn. He will sit there and keep tapping you and tapping you. He has no problem bothering you. It's one of his great qualities. When he chases you, your problem is that you're slow and he's fast. So he'll just tire you out. Right? He'll just tire you out and then just put the squeeze on you, right? And that's what he does. He's a good God. And so Jonah runs. God's like, no problem. I can develop storms. Storm comes up. Well, back then when there was a storm and you were a sailor, that means the gods were ticked. That's what it meant. So if you read the story, they're like, uh-oh, everybody pray to your gods. We don't know which one. Start praying to all of them. Well, Jonah's asleep. And they're like, wait a second. We're praying and nothing's happening. And that dude's down there. Dude, pray to your God. And Jonah's like, yeah, it's me my God. So they throw him overboard because he says, throw me over. And at first they didn't want to. But they're like, all right, bro, you're going. Goes. This is where the whale comes in. Um, and, uh, and I love, too, when <laughs> I've heard sermons on this. I love this. When they preach on the whale, and then we feel like we have to defend it. Well, it was probably like this ancient whale that didn't have teeth, and, and it had this, these stomachs, and it had these five chambers. And one of them was a real cozy chamber where the food would kind of chill. It's a, let me use the right words here. It's a freaking miracle. You understand that we believe the whole Bible is a miracle. Do you understand if you're a Christian, we believe that God spoke the universe. That's called a miracle. The Israelites, that, that the Red Sea parted. That's a miracle. Wind does not part seas. Do you really? I don't know if you know this. Check this out. We believe that God became man, died, and rose again. Do you guys know we believe that? It's called a miracle. So for you scientific minds, like, well, what kind of whale could do it? We don't know, but he can make any whale eat anybody that he wants. That's it. I'm not going to give you any science to back it up. It's just crazy when I hear those sermons. I'm like, the whole thing's a miracle. Life's a miracle. Come on. So I'm not going to explain it, all right? It's a miracle. God has uh, it happen. He's in there. And then the whale barfs him up on the beach, which when I get to heaven, I want to see a replay of that. that is, there's so many replays I want to see. I, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but first of all, I want to hang out with Jesus, but I don't want to hang out with Peter. I want a couple days with Peter, because that guy was the craziest fool in the Bible. I just want to hang out with Peter. I do want to see Adam and Eve. Like, bro, come on, how bad do you guys feel? Like, that's just a massive mess up, right? <laughs> if you ever feel guilty about your screw-ups, like, you haven't caused the whole world to go to hell, right? You haven't done that, so you should feel good about yourself. Um, but then I want to see a replay of that whale barfing up Jonah. That's rad. So don't know how it happened. Another miracle. But again, while inside that whale, though, check this out, Jonah appears appears to be kind of like, man, I'm getting it. Have you ever been there, right, where you run away from God and then you get in a whale, which is a problem, right? But what does that mean to be in a whale? It means you feel isolated. 
you feel very cut off. You don't know kind of where to go. It's, I'm assuming, dark in a whale, right? It's, it's icky. You've been in those icky situations. And this is what Jonah does is it seems like, oh, he's getting it. Like God had to send a whale for him to get it, and he does that in our lives. Uh, Jonah chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, it's interesting this prayer here. You got to remember that Jonah, the re- so Jonah was put in the Bible so that the Jews would see something about themselves and God, just so you know. Remember that the Bible is not written to you, but it's written for you. It's really, really important because we can twist scripture when we say, well, that passage is, is to me. No, it's not. The Bible is actually written to other people, not to you, but it's for you so you can learn from it, okay? Very, very, very important. Otherwise, we grab prophecies that aren't ours. We grab words that aren't ours like, no, that's not for you. That's for the Israelites. You're not an Israelite nation. Or It's for America. America wasn't even thought of, right? Not happening. But we get ahead of ourselves. So Jonah was written for Jewish people to kind of learn about themselves but also learn about God. Jonah chapter 2, so Jonah kind of epitomizes where the Jewish people are at, this mindset. Look at what he does. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, your holy temple. Isn't that a godly prayer? Have you noticed when you're down and out in life, your prayers get really godly? Your voice changes? You're at the end of your rope. You've tried everything but God, which is the opposite of what we should do. We should go to God first. We go to him last. And then our voice changes. Oh, heavenly Father, who saves all generations, past and previous. We get real spiritual with him because it's like, I'm in a whale, right? And God likes that when we say words thus and saith and all that, and we put THs on the end, right? It sounds more spiritual. And he says, uh, my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Circle, underline that part there. He's revealing something about himself that's very powerful for us. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, of course, you're in a whale. You better praise God. I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. All right, God, I don't want to do this, but I'm in a whale. Let's do it, <laughs> right? Whale spits him out. Seems like Jonah's got it, right? You, you kind of learn your lesson. Things are difficult. And so, um, so from there in chapter 3, it's really interesting where um, I don't know if Jonah's heart was totally into it. You've got to read the story because it's interesting. He goes, and he seems to follow through on God's mission. But have you ever done something where you know God wants you to do it, but you don't want to do it with your full heart? You kind of do it half-hearted. You're like, well, I kind of did it, right? It's like when you have little kids, you know, go clean up your room. It's like, that's clean. And you see it, it's like, that's not clean. <laughs> Well, I moved two t-shirts out of the way, right? It was kind of done half-hearted, right? We, we can kind of do that with God. And so he gives an amazing sermon, one of the best sermons ever given. This is what he says. Um, he says, 40 more days and you will be overthrown. Boom, done, mic drop, I'm out of here. I've done my job. He says one line. And I'm sure what he's thinking is, I'm going to give the worst sermon ever. I'm going to go on mission for you. I'm gonna, he doesn't even mention God. How do you change a nation? You don't even mention God. He just says, listen, 40 days, you guys will be overthrown. Boom, did my, did my job, God, I'm out. And he's probably thinking, like, they're going to go to hell, and they deserve to go to hell because we hate them. That's exactly where they should go. The whole nation repents. That plan failed. I tried to give the worst sermon, and everybody raised their hand being like, sounds good to me. Let's change. 
It says in chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued over Nineveh. There's no way he could have thought this would happen. By the decree of the king and the nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. He stopped and did not bring on them destruction he had threatened. Here's the interesting thing. When Jonah did this for about Three to four hundred years, God's been warning the Israelites of their own idols and their own evil. They, they never changed. They never repented. That's why I talked about Daniel a few weeks ago, the destruction. That's, that's three to four hundred years of don't do it, don't do it. Can you imagine as a parent? Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Trying to have compassion. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. The time that's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Got to do it. Three to four hundred years. Don't tell me God's not a patient God. Don't tell me he's this mean God of the Old Testament. That dude is way too nice. Tell them once, boom, find a new nation. Let's go somewhere else. You're done. Over and over and over, God was compassionate. Here's what's crazy. One sermon to the Ninevites. What God was trying to show the Israelites, they're reading the story is, how can one sermon that doesn't even mention God change them, change a whole nation, and for 400 years I tell you, stop putting idols, stop acting like other nations, and you don't get it. Sometimes God will use other people to rebuke us, but we don't see it in our own arrogance. When we talk about mission and being on mission and, and reaching people for Jesus, the rebuke is not for America. The rebuke is not because of our political divide. The rebuke is not, the rebuke is not because of COVID and those are the reasons. The rebuke is to the church. We lack mission because we lack passion. We lack passion because we have idols. And yeah, we have God, but we're worshiping him with these other idols. What's an idol? I know your idol by what brings the greatest fear and what brings the greatest joy. And we will re-record sports programs, and we will cry, we will laugh, we will pay money. But you get to church, and I'm giving you a dime, you greedy bastard. You're going to probably buy a nice car with it. There's my freaking suburban right there. We ain't buying nothing with your money. Yeah, you got hurt 10 years ago. Not everybody's like that. Get over it. You're not hurt. You're arrogant. We are our own idols. My career, my time. God, plant these opportunities within our life. Go invite them for dinner. Spend time with them. In your own activities, invite them along. Eh, it's inconvenient. Eh, I don't like them. Uh, they annoy me. And even subconsciously, I don't think they'll be a Christian. That's what was thought of me. You see him in high school, there's no way you'd be like, that dude is going straight to hell. He'll go to jail, then to hell. There's no way they can reach the Ninevites. That's Las Vegas. They got it all. Why would they even need Jesus? Just trust God. Just say, I have to give the perfect sermon. He literally gave the worst sermon ever, and everybody repented. Do you think you have to give the perfect word? Do you think God 
is so weak that he's like, please give us a good sermon. Please say, oh, my God, be theologically correct or I'm not going to be able to work. Like, that's God. Rather than, you're an idiot, just say it because they'll understand it and then my spirit will work from there. How about that? Spit it out. What if they're offended? I'll work on their offensiveness. Don't worry about it. What if we're not friends? You'll get new friends or they'll become your friends. Don't worry about it. That's, you're worrying about things that aren't your worry. So Jonah followed through, and he prayed an amazing prayer. And look at chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Wait, you just said in the whale, I know, but I was in the whale. Now I'm out of the whale. And now the real me comes out. The real you comes out when you're not in the whale. That's why for some of us, some of us don't want to go through problems and in difficulties and hardships, and I think God's like, that's because I know what you'll be like if you don't have those. You cling to God when there's hardships, and if I get you out of that whale, you will walk away in a second. All of us have humble hearts in the whale. <laughs> we have no other choice. It's the choices that give a lot of us problems. Now, I'm not saying I want to live in a whale forever, but what I'm saying is make sure that your heart out of the whale is the same as in the whale. Yeah, sometimes hardship reveals where our heart is at for God, but also I see most of the time blessings reveal where our heart is for God. Can't tell you the, count, the amount of people come to church, oh, can you guys help us out financially? Absolutely. Oh, we'll serve, we'll give, we'll love Jesus. Help, boom, gone. Oh, we need counseling, emotional help. We're here to love. Poor, boom. Things get better, healing happens. Ah, now I can go and do my thing. Some of us are scared of the difficulties. I'm actually scared of the blessings for my life, to be honest. Because blessings can turn into idols. What is a gift turns into a God. Jonah was revealed that he didn't have the right heart and he really wasn't into this. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said when I was still at home? This is what I tried, this is why I tried to stall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew. Look at his words. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God. You're horrible. Slow to anger and abounding in love. Who wants to be a part of that? A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. Wow. For it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> I like how God, though, doesn't kill me. He's like, nah, let's have a conversation. <laughs> and he goes on. I'll let you read the rest of the it ends really awkward. Like, this is one of the most awkward ending books. There's no, like, happy ending. It's like, wah, wah, done. But I think this is why. That's because exactly where the Israelites were at. They were supposed to be a light for God, and they were actually a wall between God and other people. They were supposed to point people, and they kept people. I want to look at that. I just want to explore that in a few minutes here before we go back into worship and kind of just let it that sit, and then maybe God will kind of work on that this week. Uh, the main line that I pull out of this is this, is this if you want to kind of summarize it, is we've lost the heart for God when we don't care about the mission of God. We've lost the heart for God when we don't care about the mission for God. I, I want us to all understand something, that God cares about your maturity and you becoming more mature. But that should never be the centerpiece. All that does is help us to be a brighter light to the world. It's not to become smarter. It's not for you to feel better about yourself. Oh, I used to cuss years ago. I don't cuss anymore. I used to drink and I don't drink. That's, that's great. 
all breaking addictions, uh, breaking sin. The goal is so because those things keep you from being on mission. That's what sin is. Sin is a distraction. So God's like, listen, you're saved. Your sins are all, they're, 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 they're forgiven. But now I need you to constantly repent so you can be a brighter light. Why? Because those sins, though they're forgiven, can be distractions. And we see this with all different kinds of sins, right? You see this with, uh, you know, guys that have porn addictions. They can't break and they know they're forgiven. They can't break And What I see is they, it's very difficult for them because of the shame to go reach people for Jesus because they feel like they're not worthy. And so it's not breaking it just because, you know, you'll be healthier, you have a better marriage, you'll be just be overall, get that crap out of your head, all that kind of stuff. But it's, you can't be effective reaching people for Jesus because your mind's cluttered and you're going to lack confidence, you're going to lack clarity, you're going to lack strength, you're going to lack willpower. Same thing with anything. If we have a lust for money, if we have a lust for food, if we have a lust for people, where people become gods. I see this one sometimes with families, right? You have kids, and your kids become gods. They're my greatest joy. They also become my greatest fear. And I'll be honest, even in a marriage, a spouse can become that way. That's not the, ma- that's not the way. It will not be healthy, and your kids cannot bear that weight. They will always disappoint you as a god, and you'll be disappointed. And here's what happens when we get disappointed. When we feel like God is not God and other people can't be God, we become apathetic. All apathy is is the inability to find a God to worship. But when you find a good, compassionate, loving, purposeful, missional God who wants to partner with you, who's forgiven you, wants the best for you, now I have focus this week. Now I have energy this week. You see, sometimes when it comes to mission and to outreach, we're working on techniques. Say it this way. Here's, here's four different, you know, spiritual laws, and here's this path, and make sure you don't do this, and we get paranoid. Like, like smile, but don't over-smile, because then it's like a creepy clown, and like, you know, and, and talk to them, and, and have a beer, but don't have four beers, because then you'll be evangelizing drunk, you know, and just, and you're like, oh, I don't, do I take a sip, do I look at them, what do I do, right? Here, here, let's start with this. First of all, just be yourself. How about this? Work on your own heart, where you love God so much that you can't wait to be on mission for him. What kept Israel from being on mission is they didn't want to repent. And I want to encourage us as a church, repentance is a beautiful thing. It's part of your be good challenge this week. Embrace repentance, not because you're not forgiven. You repent because it makes you, your heart, it cleanses your heart, keeps the idols out, and constantly repent of my pride, constantly repent of any errors with my tongue and lying and not keeping my word, and, con- and, and not out of guilt and shame, I'm forgiven. Why am I repenting out of guilt and shame? I'm forgiven. Now I'm just repenting so I can be on mission because sin will keep you from being on mission. And Israel did not repent of their sins. They felt like, well, we're good to go. Have you met those people? I'm good to go. I'm saved. I can do whatever I want, right? It's a, it's a ticket out of jail. Being with Jesus is a ticket out of jail. I can do whatever I want, and then there's my ticket, Jesus. I get in heaven. I prayed a prayer when I was five years old. No, that's not how it goes. This is why the Bible talks about Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with what? Part of your heart or all your heart? What does your Bible say? Oh, I'm sorry, all your heart. All your heart. Don't give part of your heart to any other God, to any other person, to any other politics, to any TV show, to any sporting event. Enjoy it. Don't worship it. 
My greatest joy, my greatest fear, Jesus, his church, his people, and other people knowing him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a right spirit within me. This is someone already following God. But continue to create me a clean heart. My heart is continually being dirtied by things in me and outside of me. It's a continual process. It's not a one-time thing. Continue to clean it, not out of guilt and shame, but out of joy that you'll be prepared for the moment and ready for the moment to be a light. Jeremiah 29 says this, you will seek and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Some of us are seeking Jesus, but with a half heart. And you won't see him and you won't find him. It's all your heart. It's where he has your life. He has your career. It's no longer just about you. He's involved in your schooling. He's involved in your relationships. He's involved in your thinking. He's involved in your viewing. He's involved in your listening. Now, I know we go there, and it's like, oh, does that mean all I do is listen to Christian music? No, not necessarily. Maybe you need to. For me, what it means to is whether I'm listening to Christian music or country music or rock music, I have a Christian perspective. I can actually tell worship songs from rock and roll points of view where I'm like, oh, they're worshiping. It's just the wrong God. My heart will actually break when I hear a song, and it's about some girl singing that she desperately needs that guy, and she'll do whatever it takes. And my heart breaks while I'm listening to because Christianity is involved in all these things. Don't segment it. All of your heart. I'm just trying to think how, how hardcore I want to wrap up or if I want to be nice. That's all I'm thinking about right now. I'm excited for us. I feel like the, great w- the greatest way for us to be on mission as a church is to actually take care of ourselves and we'll have no fear of other people. When Jesus is your greatest joy and he's the one you fear the most, people become a lot smaller. Situations become a lot smaller. But also my heart for them grows greater. You'll make time in your schedule. You'll have small kids and be like, what's another family I can invite to the park rather than just going to the park with my kids? What about that neighbor who's disconnected? And all of a sudden, you're raising kids strategically. You're going to the park strategically. Sports teams are not about if your kid hits a home run or not. Who cares? Well, you care for that moment in 10 years. In fact, you probably care more than your kid cares. Well, they'll be a pro. Go ahead and just write this down right now on your note sheet. No, they're not. How about they just be a good mom and dad? How about they just be a good parent? How about they just be a hard worker? How about they learn to be a light at their job? And when you repent of your own pride and arrogance and dependence on other things, all of a sudden sporting events become like, oh, it's an evangelism field. And parents are talking to you like, you know, how's your kid doing? Oh, they're doing pretty good. And all of a sudden you're talking to them and they're like, I'm bringing you to Christ, buddy, right? And it's fun. And it's not weird. And you're just being yourself because your heart, you've repented. It's clear of idols, so only God you idolize. What's crazy about this story is that God was trying to show Jonah. He's actually trying to show the Israelites, look at you. I've asked you to be the light, and you guys actually hate being the light. And when nations repent, you're like, ah, I'm angry. That's the exact opposite of why I chose you. And it's the same thing for our church. God did not choose our church because we're worth it, because we're smart, because we're good looking, because we're the best, we're the brightest. <laughs> Just to tell you. He chose you because it's like, ooh, I can work through a weak, inept, <laughs> empty, broken person like you. Thank you, Jesus. And that's when great things 
happened. Jonah is a reflection of his times, and he's a good person for us to, to, to look at. But here's the other thing. It also shows us the heart of God. God loved 120,000 people that their sin was so great that he was going to have to wipe them out. And he's like, please give them a good word. Give them some good news. And Jonah did a horrible job, and they all repented. But it shows us the heart of God. He doesn't want judgment. He doesn't even want discipline. He desires blessing. He desires mercy, right? But he'll do whatever it takes to save our soul because he sees the end game. And the end game is that in a video game era where there's always do-overs is there is no do-over in this life. And this life, as important as it is, doesn't compare to eternity, to billions and billions of years. And what he says is, if you care about me, what did Jesus say in Luke 19? He said, I've come to what? To preach a good sermon? I've come to organize the church and get good service ministry teams and build up a budget. And to, is it your Bible? Oh, my, my Bible says that. Maybe I wrote that in there. Make myself feel better. I came with one purpose, to seek and save the lost. I seek through preaching truth and good news. Good news. It's good news. God loves you. It's good news. But to seek and save, and he did that through the cross. And if that's his heart, and we're Christians, Christ followers, that's our heart. How do I get that heart? Repent. Sin. Get it out. Out of guilt and shame? No. Out of joy, saying, as I get this out, then I'm focused. I remember in um, junior high, I was uh, racing uh, at a pretty high level, uh, and the coach had some goals for me, and we had some goals, and, but I went through a period of about six months where he could tell I wasn't into it. I wasn't into racing, the practices I wasn't into, but my mind just kind of wasn't there. And he kept giving me techniques, things to train on, you know, things to do, change my diet, you know, all that kind of stuff. Let's do some weight training, you know, like this. And finally, we sat down, he's like, what's going on? Well, this girl, he rolled his eyes like, ah, oh, girls, <laughs> you know. So talking about that, and I remember he told me, he's like, listen, what do you want? He goes, are you planning on getting married anytime soon? I'm like, no, you know, I'm like 14, 15. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know that. He's like, what is this doing for your life then? He goes, you're not into it. You're thinking about other things. You could tell a divided heart, right? You could tell that when someone wasn't into something. That pep talk really got me focused. He's like, listen, there's times for that later. But right now, if you want to win, you got to be 100% focused on training and doing whatever you can to win. And I feel like as Christians, our win is bringing people to Jesus. That's our win. That's it. We don't have like seven things. One, look to bring people to Jesus. And that is only a burden when your heart is divided about multiple things. But I'll tell you what. You'll know how spiritual mature you are by the passion and the mission of saying, I just want people to know Jesus. And I'll never give up. I'll never get tired because it's been the best thing in my life. And if it's not the best thing in my life, then there's a reason why we're not on a mission. So today we start with our heart, not heads. Before I tell you to go out and reach the people for Jesus, Holy Spirit will lead you. But we've got to start with our, no techniques. We start with our heart. Because once we get our heart right, we'll get the mission right. And we get the mission right, we're going to get more stories like Rebecca. But it's happening all the time. So the worship team is going to come up right now. And I just, 
ask that as we worship just to think about that. Where are you as far as your passion for God in order to be on mission for God? Maybe some of us are like, bro, I'm honest. I'm coming here. I've wiped those idols out. Like, I, I really am. Like, God, he is my God. He's my greatest joy. He's my greatest focus. Maybe today as you worship him, God will give you a vision of where you're to be on mission this week. Where's your Nineveh? It's not going to be 120,000. Maybe it's going to be one. Maybe it's going to be two. Maybe it's going to be a group. But maybe God's going to prepare you to equip you of, like, now's the time. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't become your greatest obstacle. Let God be the greatest opportunity as he gives that to you. So, Jesus, we come before you now. And, God, I got super pumped as I was just thinking about Jonah as far as just, like, this is your heart. You, even in the Old Testament, you told the Israelites, I want you to be a light, a city on a hill that other nations would know that you are the true God. And, God, that's not a burden. It's a great joy. Like, I just pray you inject us with joy. I don't know why we're so... It's called good news. Honestly, God, I feel like as a church, we first of all have to believe it's good news, and we accept the news ourselves. That we would live as forgiven people, not guilt-ridden people, like we have to die for our own sins. And then, then as free people, we would not use our freedom for sin, but to repent, saying, why would I be rebellious when I could be obedient? And that as you purify our hearts, our hearts would grow for people that they don't know you. They don't have a purpose for eternity. They don't have a, a stability and a peace and a joy for this life that you give us through any pandemic, through any administration, through any education. You are above it all. So God, I pray you would equip us. You would give us the joy. You give us the power and give us the people to find, to preach the good news that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.